Hello and welcome to the Executive Checklist. I'm John Copeland and once again I have my daughter Courtney here with me. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I always learn a lot from you. Trust your opinion and your input. And we wanted to talk about becoming an executive. In other episodes we've talked about how to be a better executive, but we've had some requests from people who um, would like to become an executive, who want to move up the corporate ladder and get into the, the higher levels of their organization. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so in doing that, I mean, my first thought on what you can do to grow an organization is educate yourself, you know, um, take classes, seminars, conferences, YouTube, I mean, whatever you reading. I mean, everybody should read. Um, I don't necessarily read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books in the car and things like that. But um, I really think that education is the biggest because for you to get from here up to here, you're going to have to learn some stuff, you know, and the organization may actually train Mm -hmm. things, you know, within the organization, depending on how big it is. A lot of times they have training classes you can take, you know, maybe you need Excel or maybe you need PowerPoint or whatever it is. All those things though, you can learn online. Yeah. And all those things are, are, can be, that's all considered self-taught education. Yes. You're, you're organization may pay for you to get more schooling done. However, you can probably learn 90% of what's at the next level by self-education or finding a mentor. And you can do it in your off time when you're not at work. For sure. Yeah. Let's look. I mean, cause yeah, if you're not doing a good job at your job, you're not going to get a promotion. Well, you have to raise your value to the organization, your value. You have to raise your value as a person to grow. You have to continue to learn and, and educate yourself. But you have to raise your perceived value to the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think something good to think about, too. Everyone wants to make more money, make more money. You get closer to freedom, you know, financial freedom and different things. Um, But part of what I think is important before you start this climb to the top of the corporate ladder, make sure that, A, the company is one that you see yourself being at for a long time. And then, B... Uh, you have to make sure, again, that your core values and everything that you stand for lines up with this company. Because if you're going to pour your heart and soul into a company, you have to make sure that you your desires and your morals and everything line up with it. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a very good point. Because if, if, if the company that you're at you don't absolutely love, then why do you want to spend many of you the rest of your years of your life trying to climb a ladder to a you know climbing a ladder to a a company that you don't love Mm -hmm. right like the people at the top need to be good people the morals of the company and the morals of the people running it need to be good and of high character why would i want to climb up in a company that you know i don't even believe in it means you're in the wrong place Mm -hmm. you should be in a different place if you don't feel that way about where you're working if you don't like the company, then I wouldn't want to try to climb the ladder. Why waste my time? A lot of times you get more bigger promotions by moving companies Mm -hmm. to another company to a higher position than it is moving up in your company. Mm -hmm. So if you're not 100% on board with a company you're in, then I would suggest rather than trying to waste my efforts trying to climb a ladder to somewhere I don't want to be, find somewhere that you do want to, you do like that company and you may actually 
move up a notch, just making that lateral move to another company. And having a mentor is super important too. You know, you can have a mentor inside your own company. That's great because they see the inside. They know what maybe your managers or your supervisors are looking for. However, having a mentor outside of your company can be really good too. Having a mentor maybe at a competitor or maybe, I mean, like a real relationship, a real mentorship. You're not just meeting up for Q&A once a month. Someone that can really help coach you in your job and coach you in your performance. But even getting some outside mentorship might help you produce some new ideas for your company. That might make you stand out to your supervisors. Um, Also, you know, doing some side jobs. If your desire is to take a step up, you know, make sure you're taking yourself out of the bubble every now and then and getting a bird's eye view on some other industries or some other areas of the same business. Ask your supervisor, hey, can I shadow this other department for a day? You know, maybe before you start climbing, you want to shift directions laterally before you start going up. You know, there's a lot of things that you want to make sure you have a good foundation in place before you start the corporate climb or you'll you'll burn out. And then too, going back to the company that you're at, some companies, they don't necessarily promote career paths to growth. Mm-hmm. Some of them, they're kind of shut off. It's really hard to move up um, into new positions or grow inside an organization or maybe a position you're in. There may be other positions in that organization, like you saying, make it a lateral move inside the organization where maybe there's another, there's more ability to climb. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if your boss is the son of the owner, it might be hard to get his job, you know, unless, mm-hmm. you know, he winds up getting fired or leaves, you know, then you might get it. But it's like, is there movement? Is the company made for movement up? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of companies, particularly bigger companies, they they want that. They'd rather somebody come within and grow up through the organization than necessarily bring somebody in from the outside. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, a no brainer, but um, are you reliable? Are you on time? Do you finish what you start? Can they rely on you for extra projects without, you know, uh, burning your family out? Little things like that, because those things, they might not see that, but you will start to feel that later. And so there's little things like that, making sure that you're reliable, but you're balanced. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be at work for 12, 16 hours, you should probably wait to have a kid. You know, like little things like that, that might change your perspective on what your work ethic is evaluate it realistically. And do you do what you say you're going to do? Exactly. Cause that's a big one. That's a huge one. That's what I had to work the most at. I mean, I would say, Oh, I have this great idea. This is how we're going to implement it. This is how we're going to do it. And at my next quarter meet up. Oh, so how's that idea going? And it's like, Oh, that was a good idea, but I never really started it. That doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's implementing these new ideas, finishing what you say you're going to do. I have this new idea that could really fix this whole, this issue that we've been having. If you do it, you never know. Like, you never know what can come from that. So being reliable and making sure that you don't burn out at the end of it. That's super important because when you get tired of your job, you start to not do a good job. And that might not do well, leave you with a good review if you do try to switch businesses, you know. So there's little things like that that it sounds simple, but it makes all the difference in the world and the longevity of your position. Yeah, and a can-do attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, if they say, can you do this, then... You say yes, and you go figure out how to do it exactly. and go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't say, no, I don't know how to do that. Now, if it's something you truly just are incapable of doing, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. But at the same time, if you say, 
if you hesitate or say no because I don't really know it that well, I might not do well at it, that's the wrong way. The attitude should be, I got you. Yeah. And then you go work and you figure out how to do it and you do a great job at it. Mm-hmm. And they will take notice. When you when you receive duties and things of maybe somebody there's nobody that wants to do this certain thing and you volunteer for that, I got it. You know, I'll take mm-hmm. care of it. Don't worry about it. That means a lot mm-hmm. because that makes that, that person that's your superior, your boss, it makes if you you need to make them look good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you strive to make them look good, give them the credit then they're going to love you, mm-hmm. okay? And, and so I just think that it's, you need that attitude of, you know, there's no job that, you know, if you want me to do it, I got it. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said, though, don't stress yourself out to where your family life falls apart or you're so stressed that, you know, you want to quit. Or don't let yourself get get taken advantage of as an employee by constantly saying yes. There's Everything that we say, there's always a balance to it. Yeah, but this is a huge one right here, and that is to talk to your employer and let them know this is what I want to do. These are my goals. I want to move up in the organization. Can you see that happening for me in the future? And if they say, you know, not really, then okay, I need another organization. Um, But if you tell them, these are my goals, this is what I want to do, I want to work hard for that. I want to grow in this organization. I'm committed to it. What can I do to be better, to be where I'm eligible for moving up in the organization? And, you know, they should tell you, okay, well, here's what I'd like to see you do. Now they know that you want to do it, Mm -hmm. that you're not just satisfied doing what you're doing because they want people who want to be aggressive and, you know, trying to grow to get better, ambitious, they want to see somebody that's there to fight for the organization. So when you express that feeling to them and then you ask them, what do I need to do? Your stock level goes up. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, because I've had people that work for me like that. Uh, you want to talk about Hannon? Oh, yeah. Daniel Hannon, you've told me the story and a bunch of my friends the story. He's inspired a bunch of my friends with uh, the story of Daniel Hannon, who worked at KCM. I don't know what his entry-level job was, but the story that I remember is you were in the fitness center and he presented you with a new marketing idea. And next thing you know, he's... He was not in marketing. I'm trying to remember where he was. No, I don't know where he started, but he ended up in marketing. Yeah. And so, you know, and now he's off doing his own business, very successful business. And it's because he came to me and was, you know, able to, which I'm glad, Mm -hmm. you know, that my employees felt like they could approach me. Well, he probably felt like he could come to you because he knew your story was also you worked your way from the very, very bottom all the way to the executive level. Tell us that process a little bit. I mean, tell us, I mean, obviously I know your story, but kind of give us an overview of you've told us your personal story, but tell us your work story real quick. Yes, you came from a family business. However, the qualities that you had your dad did not uh, promote you every single time. Other people in leadership promoted you a lot. Dad actually way. never promoted me probably until I became CEO. That was something that he had to prove, you know. Um, but even at that, um, I don't know that it was his sole decision. But I started in digging ditches, you know, with a pickaxe and rock, digging sprinkler lines. Um, so coming from the bottom of, or you know, you know, I'm probably making – I don't know, seven fifty an hour, you know, whatever the minimum wage was then. And starting from the bottom, working my way up to the top, I went from, you know, dig, working in land maintenance to um, 
worked in the in the shop in the uh, vehicle maintenance area, mechanicing on vehicles and changing tires and doing all that kind of stuff. And then, um, that was in the summers, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, during my junior summer, I, I had got high school of high school. I got in trouble and got thrown in jail at a keg party. And so dad sent me to Arkansas to work for the summer in Arkansas for one of the board members and one of his best friends, Johnny Best. And so I learned to weld that summer. He just wanted me away, right, so I wouldn't get in trouble. So I came back, had my senior year, and then when I graduated high school, I started a welding business. I did that for about five years. And so, but then dad was building a bunch of buildings. So out there at the ministry property, so I came back to work for KCM. I started contracting, just welding and stuff for him. But then I became came on full-time, uh, con, you know, carpentry, welding, uh, all that kind of stuff, construction. And then became the uh, facilities man. My Uncle Doug, God rest his soul, passed away this last summer. He was the CEO at the time. And so he started bringing me in to meetings inside twice a week to just sit, which I hated because I wanted to be outside, you know, I'm an outside guy. And so I would go sit in these meetings and just listen, you know, try to stay awake. Um, But it introduced me to the office environment. He saw a future in me, you Mm -hmm. know, it took him seeing something in me more than, you know, just doing maintenance work and construction. And for those of you that don't have that option, that can't just sit in in meetings above you, you can sit in on podcast from executives you can read pitch decks you can read all that stuff online but anyway go ahead so that was my entry into you know um the office Mm -hmm. and he wanted me to go set in different areas of the organization and just learn and then i would go back and and be welding the other days and so i was eventually promoted to facilities director and, well, at first they didn't put me over facilities. They just put me over security, aviation, and vehicle maintenance mm-hmm. um, and land maintenance, mm-hmm. the grounds. Then I became facilities man- director over all the grounds, all the buildings, hospitality. Um, and then I don't remember how many years I did that. They added on to um, international director. No, facilities director. Uh, Customer service and all that? No, events. I was Mm. doing events, set up, tear down for conventions, all that kind of stuff. Then they added international director. Mm. So I was doing all those things. You know, I just kind of got more and more added to my plate and then eventually became the CEO and did that for about 25 years. Looking back, what do you feel like was the biggest key element that you kept in your pocket? What was the one thing that you can say you did well? I would say the thing that I grew into the most what I found was the most important were the people. Because mm-hmm. remember I told you I would do things in another podcast, I'd do things black and white sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked at, why are we giving everybody free coffee? Mm-hmm. You know, we're giving 400 people free coffee. No more coffee. Trying to save money, right? We were mm-hmm. kind of tight on money. The budget was tight. And then looking back on it, you know, I got feedback about how that made people feel because I didn't really think about that back then. Mm-hmm. I just... You know, bottom line, hmm, we don't have to buy all this coffee. Well, heck, you want your people jacked up on caffeine, right? <laughs> it's like free coffee, you're going to get more production. But the way it made people feel, it devalued them, mm. you know? And so that was me being young and dumb, you know, as an executive. And so 
the more I stayed in it, the thing, the biggest takeaway was how valuable the culture, mm. the people that are there doing the work. Now, I valued every position from that's why when you started there, I made you start in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't digging ditches, but you were in the inside at probably the lowest paying job was the mailroom because I wanted you to get a feel in a sense of how great those people are, mm-hmm. how important they are. That there's no job more important than one than the other. There's not one person. The janitor is just as important as your supervisor in purchasing. I mean, it's like everybody is important. Mm-hmm. And so that, for me, was my biggest takeaway. And, and even leaving there, my biggest thing that I missed was the people. It went from, God, it's like having 400 kids. <laughs> Man, can they not just grow up a little bit and you're having to deal with people arguing or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it went from that to, uh, and I even made the statement, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for people. Mm-hmm. Well, it went from that to, I love these people so much. My job as CEO was to make sure they had the tools they wanted and needed, that they had the training they wanted, and that they were comfortable and happy and felt valued. Mm-hmm. And so that was my biggest takeaway from the whole thing is the value of every individual person working there. That's good. We actually have a few more interviews coming up that I'm excited about in the future of this podcast. Other executives talking about how they became an executive, started from the bottom, now they're here, kind of stories, you know. So be on the lookout for those. We really want to start implementing more of those into this podcast. It's something I'm really excited about, finding out how, you know, people became the great executive that they are. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss those when they come out. We hope you enjoy this episode.